You're listening to the Independent News Hour on WBAI 99.5 FM. I'm your host, John Tarleton, and I'm also joined by my co-host, Amber Gagarian. Uh, we're now going to uh, turn and speak with Democratic Socialist Assembly member Marcella Matanias uh, from Sunset Park, Brooklyn. Uh, she was a longtime tenant organizer in her community. Uh, she was elected to the uh, State Assembly in 2020 and is uh, wrapping up her first a very busy term in office and has had a chance to see how Albany works up close. And we look forward to her thoughts on the governor's race as it enters its final stretch. And uh, we're also excited to uh, talk about some other important matters. Uh, Marcella, welcome to the Independent News Hour. Welcome back. Hi, thank you for having me. How's it going? Uh, it's going good. Um, you know, we're all uh, sort of on pins and needles as uh, this uh, governor's race uh, moves into its final two weeks. Uh, it, what, what are your thoughts as, as somebody who's, like I said, wrapping up their first term in office? Uh, you've worked uh, uh, both with Andrew Cuomo, then uh, Kathy Hochul took over uh, last August after he resigned in disgrace. And now we have the prospect of a, a, a MAGA-friendly Republican uh, maybe even winning uh, the governor's seat this year. Your, your thoughts? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so um, we have a new governor, but um, pretty much Albany is still running very much the same. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, the Democratic leadership really has an opportunity here to galvanize around these campaigns and they're not doing it. And so what we're seeing is we're seeing the folks from the left really kind of like step in and try and help, um, which is probably leading to the tight margins. Um, I really feel like the Democratic Party is fractured and, you know, folks that are um, moderate uh, Democrats are really towing the line and between, you know, the, the Republican and Democratic Party. And I think that that's dangerous. We're also, you know, I feel very frustrated that now we're not able to provide more seeing as we have um, a majority and, you know, the Democrats are the ones that are in power. Right. And uh, uh, I know some of your DSA colleagues are, uh, have said they're going to vote on the Working Families Party line, um, including, I assume, for Hochul. What, what's your stance at this point? I mean, I think it's important to understand, you know, where and how the Working Families, you know, came about. And again, you know, I talk about this, um, the fact that the Democratic Party is, is fractured and, you know, uh, there was a line for progressives, but even progressives don't seem to be producing enough, which is why there is now another lane. And so I, too, will be voting on the Working Families Party. Right. And um, I guess you descri describe for audience uh, more about sort of what the powers of the governor are in Albany and what it would look like uh, if Zeldin um, uh uh, came into power. You know, kind of, um, within the chambers, within the chambers, there's often talks about um, how difficult it was to pass legislation when um, the Republicans were in power, and so we know that there's a lot um, that we have been able to accomplish. That you know, we're concerned about that with a Republican governor, they might want to roll some things back. Um, the governor is also in a, in a position where they can actually 
uh, use their, their position to really lead on, you know, many issues that our voters care about, you know, like environmental justice and, you know, especially the housing crisis that we have right now. And and this is the first time in uh, 20 years that a Republican candidate has made it this far, been this neck and neck in the polls. So what are your thoughts on why Hochul's campaign has been, in short, so ineffective or why this is happening now? I think that it's, you know, uh, a concern for a lot of my colleagues in a way that I wish that it wasn't, right? Some of these uh, controversial issues like they uh, identify, um, they don't are afraid to actually, um, you know, take a position on because they're afraid it's going to impact their election. And so I think we need to move away from making decisions based on a political future and really making decisions based on the needs of the people of the state of New York. Right. And, and speaking of the needs of the of the people, uh, we had a shocking report uh, come out in the city last week about how uh, more than 60,000 uh, rent-stabilized apartments in New York City are currently vacant, basically being warehoused. And some people are saying it's almost 90,000 units out of roughly 950,000. And this is mm-hmm. a time when the real estate market is very tight, rents are soaring, homelessness is going up. Your, your thoughts on, on, on that news and, and how – uh, we should respond to it. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm outraged, <laughs> right. But at the same time, I'm not surprised. We've seen this happen before. They've threatened, um, you know, uh, that they can't keep up with the repairs needed for the apartments. And that's the excuse that they're giving, you know, but the truth is, um, this administration can actually do something about it. Just as boastfully as this mayor likes to talk about the stuff that he gets done, he should be outraged that he's got, you know, folks that can uh, rent apartments, you know, keeping them for hostage. We're in a housing crisis, you know, um, recognized by the fact that there is less than 5% vacancy available for the amount of people that live here. And so I think that this is an opportunity to really call out what's happening um, and, you know, this is this is this is very unacceptable. Right. And and I think it's important to bring into the conversation why rent stabilization, uh, the argument for rent stabilization to be affordable is that those buildings that were either pre-World War One or pre-World War Two, essentially, or sorry, pre-World War Two or pre-Vietnam War, it's either like the 1940s or 1973 to be stabilized. And it would be the 40s for controlled. Um, but those no longer have overhead uh, charges the 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 landlords are not paying off the the rent or the mortgages on those buildings anymore they're just upkeeping those um upkeeping the buildings as you said correct marcella yeah assembly I member mean, i should say yes i mean i think that this is something that we've seen over and over again is the real estate industry constantly complaining that they can't uh, the amount of rent that they collect is not enough to maintain the buildings. I don't know how long you keep going with the same story. Um, at some point, they would actually run out of money and no longer be able to have their buildings. But here they are continuing to argue um, that they need right. a Yet we right. had a huge problem 
when um, there was financial assistance given out for folks that fell behind during the pandemic. And we had landlords that did not want to participate in the program mm-hmm. and refused to take the money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at some point it's like, which, which is it? You know, here you are talking yes. about not having enough and we're trying to provide and, you know, you don't want it. Right. right. Well, they, they, they clearly want to find any way they can to uh, wriggle out of uh, uh, having their, their, buildings under rent stabilization. But uh, do you think, uh, given what we're seeing here, I mean, the scale of the warehousing going on and the scale of the uh, affordable housing crisis in the city right now, uh, that uh, these landlords who are warehousing uh, should uh, be at risk of either having their property either taken away from them or being subjected to heavy fines or or something to uh, compel them to uh, resume renting the apartments? And if they... absolutely won't do it face the possibility. I think, that if they're, I think if they're truly having a financial hardship, I think the city should just take over this property and we should manage it and give it out to people that need it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially now uh, we know that the 421A program has expired, um, but we know that landlords are fighting very hard to get it back. And it's, you know, essentially a 30 year um, tax break. And there's many of those properties that are built. And unfortunately, um, our folks, our most needy folks don't qualify for them because the income levels are too high. We know some of those apartments are open and, and, and also vacant. Um, with the forcefulness that this administration talks about, especially the city who's in a housing crisis, um, who's in a state of emergency, I think that there is a lot that actually can be done, not just taking over their property, but there, certainly there's been talks about fines and, and penalties for these things. Right. right. And- we just have one more minute here before we have to wrap up. Um, but uh, real quickly, you recently joined a, a delegation of some other uh, socialist elected officials and other housing uh, advocates uh, who traveled to uh, Austria last week to learn more about uh, some of their socialist uh, uh, public housing, which is uh, quite different from what we see here in in New York and in the United States. Can you describe uh, what you saw and and what kind of inspiration you took away from that? So I can't share too much. We are going to be debriefing uh, briefly and putting together a report that we want to make public. Um, but I can say a, a, a group of almost 50 like-minded individuals uh, went to Vienna to learn about what the gold standard on housing is and it's the way it's been viewed around the world. Um, and I can share that it was very inspiring um, to see what is possible um, and then to be with a group of people who have the same shared vision, who are going to be working and organizing towards a goal. Um, and we do know that there's a better world out there for us. And so we are coming back very energized um, on the idea that everybody has a right to live um, in, the, in dignity. Right. Well, uh, we, we appreciate that. And we look forward to seeing the full report. Uh, from your trip to Vienna. And uh, we, as always, we are really grateful and appreciate you uh, joining us on WBAI Radio. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to the continued conversation. Great. Thanks. All right. Uh, Assembly Member Marcella Matenias. We'll be back uh, with more after this short break. Sad. I know you're a busy 
mis padres. 